Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everybody and welcome to the 15th episode of Believe in the Long Run podcast series. I am your host, Dom Santina. We'd once again like to thank Andy Bellinger for joining the podcast last week. Thought it was a really good discussion on his 116-mile adventure through northern Michigan. I always think it's a very cool story when we hear people running long distances like that. And especially for me here in northern lower Michigan to have someone close from home. And I always want to feature special stories like that. So if you know of anybody doing that, once again, like we mentioned last week, give us a shout out, DM us, comment on any of our posts. Or find us on our social media. We are on Instagram at Believe in the Long Run and on Twitter at The Long Run 5. You can send us a comment or message there about anyone that maybe might be doing the same thing as Andy or just doing something special running wise. Feel free to reach out. Let us either share their story or have them come on as well. While you're visiting our social media, make sure to give us a like. Share and comment, like and comment, or share and comment, more important than the like, but try to get that podcast out there, and let's get some listener feedback as well, tell us what you want to hear, and, you know, some suggestions for what's going on, what we can feature in upcoming episodes as well. Once again, you can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, and of course, the Believe.com webpage. We're going to move once again into our warm-up session. This virtual race that I'm going to talk about, we finally moved on for ones that seemed like we were talking about forever. This one's a little special, close to my heart. If you're looking for a virtual 5K that you want to run in or you just want to add another one to your list this one's close to home to me this one's for my high school and it's for our cross country team the Boyne City High School cross country team is hosting a virtual 5k to raise money for their school program and it shares the Boyne City spirit and helps during the COVID-19 crisis all you have to do to participate is there's a link that I'm going to share here on the podcast, and I'll put it up somewhere on our social media as well. You just order a commemorative t-shirt, and that is your registration. It'll be shipped out to you, or you can pick it up if you live in the northern Michigan area. You must order by June 15th in order to get your shirt by the race day, which is June 27th. It is called the Boyne Thrive 5K. The way they're handing out awards, there are a couple awards, fastest male and female, but you must have a picture of your GPS showing that you completed the 3.1 miles and a selfie of you doing it. The early bird, the first one to post a completed 5K and the most Boyne spirit. I know for some of you out there listening, that's the last one's not going to affect you as much unless you're listening in the Boyne City, Northern Michigan area and you're a fan of Boyne City, but you could still be the fastest male or female or the early bird. You still have contention for that and it helps my high school and my former cross country program 
If you want to register, you can visit www.screenmaster.net slash boyne, B-O-Y-N-E-C-C. If you want to run in a virtual race, but maybe not the Boyne Thrive 5K, I thought I'd just throw that one out there. You can also visit virtualrunningevents.com. They feature ton of, tons of virtual races that you can sign up for and stay motivated for. I know we've mentioned that website quite a few times here on the podcast. Just a good idea to get out there and stay motivated and find a race for you to run. Also, maybe some of you out there listening have signed up or qualified for this one. Well, it's going to be moving virtually as well. Breaking news at the end of last week into this weekend. The Boston Marathon for 2020 has officially been canceled. Yes, I know it's a big bummer. I love watching the Boston Marathon on TV. I know we talked about last week. uh, Mayor de Blasio talked about the New York City Marathon not being canceled. Well, their friends over there in Boston decided to pull the plug on theirs. It was canceled on Thursday. It's the first time in 124 years that the Boston Marathon has been canceled, bowing to the social distancing requirements of the coronavirus outbreak. The marathon had been run through two world wars, a volcanic eruption, and another pandemic. The race organizers had delayed the race till September 14th, joining many other springtime races that decided to push their race till later in the year hoping that normal life would resume, but unfortunately Boston has decided that it was only a hope and Mayor Marty Walsh concluded that it has become clear as the crisis developed that September 14th was less and less plausible. There's many factors, I was reading more of the article, there's many articles out there on this story, but one of the articles I read talked about how hard it would be, especially with not having massive groups at the time I mean think about all the runners that run Boston I mean I know we were talking about Sarah Kroll who we had earlier on the podcast that's actually believe it or not the how I first heard about it was Sarah posted that she was not going to be able to run Boston this year because it because of it being canceled and then I looked into it a little bit more and of course needed to mention it here on the podcast but think about all the runners that head to Boston to run that race then you're confined in that little starting area not to mention all the transportation needed to bring people down there you're running you're sweating Um, there's a lot going on and then for me personally the Boston Marathon's awesome but think about what I really think makes it special is all the people that gather around the race course the 26.2 miles in line the course, cheering people on. I think that takes it. I mean, we're seeing sports start to come back at another level, and it, you can tell it's a little. There is a little bit of the sport that is missing, and I think the Boston Marathon would be able to sustain itself, but it wouldn't take it to that top tier level that we all know because there would be no fans lining the course, or there'd be minimal fans lining the course. It just wouldn't give it that atmosphere that everyone likes to know. And I didn't read all of Sarah's posts, but I would wonder, you know, it kind of makes me question, and it would be a good question to ask her if, you know, would it make it 
that much would it make a difference and would you want your first experience at boston to to be a time like this when there is like it would be a, a different situation i know running is the end all be all for a lot of us but for an event like the boston marathon and if i was in sarah kroll's shoes and it's my first time i want it i would want it to be as normal as possible because it's this special race so i'd want it to be how it normally is and i know it would suck for the time being but i know sarah mentioned you can either run it virtually this year or your entry can roll into 2021 which i think is the right call it sucks i think they made the right move though with the enrollment thing time will tell if they made the right move with the social distancing and the virus but when you the biggest thing that i've learned through all this is a lot of things especially like the boston marathon when it takes months of preparation and planning things aren't settled down by now they don't have time to plan everything out so that way they can have it in the fall so we'll just have to hope that the new york city marathon carries on and at least we'll have one of the two big races here in the united states we'll see what happens there hopefully by the indication we got last week from mayor de blagio that will continue on we're gonna have another guest on the podcast i'm working hard guys trying to come up with new guests to join the podcast that i think would be entertaining that would provide good content and would spark interest in listeners and while i'm doing that and trying to come up with another batch really i've kind of thought through everyone of my first set now i'm kind of coming up with a second set of listeners as this virus continues to drag on and we try to find entertaining people to join the podcast i've had someone that's been very close to me who's kind of wanted to guest appear on the podcast she's mentioned it before and i thought well i haven't really had anyone get back to me this week it would be a perfect time to let her join the podcast she was a i would say average she was in the middle pack of running when she was in high school she signed to run cross country kind of on a whim and she really really excelled in her college career uh it seemed like every race we went to she would set another personal record or personal best and it seemed like she was always knocking time down her specialty was the 5k 10k and it seemed like every week her time was dropping even more she's found a strong passion for running and she's been a multi-time member of the wolverine hoosier athletic conference all academic team and a multi-time winner of the champions of character award out of the out of the whack her name is madeline salem and as i mentioned she's found a strong passion for running but in the last year she's had a couple injuries come her way a couple stress fractures and so she's had a tough time dealing with that but she's on the road to recovery and so without taking any more time she's going to get into all of that about her injuries and her running career and all of all that goes along with that but let's introduce a former college teammate of mine at rochester university and now she is my fiance madeline salem 
our first question that we're going to have to start the podcast is you had a kind of an interesting way to get to Rochester. How did you eventually settle on going to Rochester University? So, hi everybody. My name is Madeline Salem. I am grateful to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Dominic. <laughs> um, I think that obviously meant that you were running out of ideas because now you're using me. Oh <laughs> No, I'm just joking. So, I came to Rochester five years ago. I was in the teaching program, so I had to go five years, which eventually got me five years of eligibility. I'll come back to that, though. So my running career started eighth grade track season. I never had ran up until that point. I liked running the mile in gym, thought that was super cool, and that was about it. But up until that point, I'd only done horseback riding, and that was about once a week, if that. So up until that point, I took on running and just literally fell in love with it right away. I know a lot of runners say that they try it and they fell in love and that's literally what happened to me. So I did track my eighth grade year, then coming into cross country in ninth grade, had some injuries along the way in high school, which I know we'll uh, circle back to, but for right now, we, I had a couple injuries in high school, but never was really, like, top of the the game or anything. I was never placed first or anything like that. I mean, in track, maybe I won a couple of my heats, but definitely not in cross country. And that was about it. I thought that once I completed high school that I would continue running, but it would just kind of be on my own. And up until my coach said, hey, I know the coach over at Rochester University well, then Rochester College, and I would, you know, I can say something for you and see if they'd be interested, so I was, like, blown away, like, what? I didn't even think I would be good enough to have anybody even recognize me or want to even look at me, so had that happen, which was really a, a blessing, and I'm very, very, very grateful for that, so obviously they looked at um, everything in my times and they must not have been completely awful because they took me on and I became a warrior. So that was about it for me. So something that is a little different in our time as teammates is you had three coaches within a four-year time span, one that ever, never actually coached you. Correct. What was that experience like, I guess? Because you signed with a coach, and then two months later, she was no longer the coach. So, okay. So, that coach that my high school coach knew was, yep, the one that you are talking about that I ended up signing with. She was like, oh, I'm actually retiring, so I'm not going to be coaching. So, we're going to have another coach. So, I was like, oh, okay, like... You know, me not knowing any better, that should have been, like, a red flag. Like, oh, what's this new coach like? You know, I'm looking to that. But whatever. <laughs> uh, so I looked. I had one coach that I actually signed with. So I talked to one coach. She retired. Talked to another coach and signed with that coach. She was actually the volleyball coach but was going to try running, uh, being a running coach. She decided that I didn't even run one day with her. I just only signed with her. She decided that she was going to just stick to running or stick to volleyball. So then there was that. And then I had my coach that I had my freshman year. Once I finally got down the line of coaches, got got one. I uh, had her up until 
my junior year. No. Yeah. Yeah, my junior year. And then had Alex Wilson, who we've had, or is it say you, not me, not we've. I'm not a part I of this. I say we all the time, and there's no one else on the podcast. <laughs> except me, well, so. okay, whatever. But so we had Alex, uh, which was Alex Wilson, which was obviously on the podcast before, but he took over, and I feel like that was the best coaching choice that Rochester could have ever made. And we are, we are and were so thankful to have him as an amazing coach. Just so much experience uh, and everything. And if you want to hear more about him, you can jump back to one of those episodes. But, yeah. He's a shy, humble guy, so he doesn't <laughs> talk very much. But, <laughs> but def- he's absolutely amazing, you can, so you knowledgeable. Can, you can definitely tell where he stands on Madeline's radar, so... <laughs> It's like on a Mount Rushmore of coaches. So you had three out-of-state, we'll say long-distance trips, because when we did okay. this the first time before I deleted the podcast, oh my God. I said... I can't believe you just told them all your mistake. Okay, go ahead. I said that <laughs> we had three out-of-state trips, but we went to Indiana and Ohio a couple times, so I'm not going to count oh, those. Oh, we did. But but these were three long... Well, you had three long-distance trips. I yep. had two. Yep. Tell you we'll about ask them. the question again. <laughs> this is our take two of the podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which one between Colorado, Virginia Beach, and your trip to Florida yep. were your favorite? So I think that you're not going to like this answer, but I think it has to be Florida just because... Now, I haven't been to... I I had been to Colorado one other time, and I'd been to Virginia before, but never Virginia Beach. So, I mean... But I had absolutely never even touched foot in Florida. So I was super, super stoked to do that. And especially as a freshman, being able to go to Florida or travel anywhere big like that, just seems like such a big deal so I think it's kind of amplified in my mind because of that but I think that one because um my freshman year there was only three girls and only and that's including me so only two of us went plus my coach and then my dad and my cousin went so there was like five of us so because there were so few of us we could go do more and stuff like that like we got to go check out a little bit of Disney and stuff like like experience that Typically, you wouldn't be able to have if you had, you know, a large or a larger team. So that really sticks out to me. So your trip to Florida was part of our divisional national championship, which was the USCAA, which still exists, but Rochester is no longer a part of that. Kind of moved up a little bit in the world. That ended in 2016, 2017. It was kind of a... Partial separation and then a full separation into 2017 as we joined the NAIA, which I believe I've mentioned before. But your trip to Florida, our trip to Virginia Beach were a part of that. Our trip to Colorado was for our conference championship at the time, which was the AII, which is the Association of Independent Institutions. I'm Which, surprised you could remember that because well, you know I'm a sports guy. So. <laughs> but when we talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. 
you mentioned how tough the competition, not only the course was in Colorado, because we ran on the University of Colorado's cross-country course in Boulder, Yeah. but we also had the University of British Columbia, who is technically could be considered a NCAA Division One school. Yeah. They but like because these. they are in Canada, they can't yeah. be a part of the NCAA. So they fall they fell into our conference. So you have little Rochester University or college at the time, which yeah. has no more than a thousand students to compared to a division one profile school. And now we don't know the whole story. We didn't mention this the first go around, but the girls team took second in the conference behind University of British Columbia. Yep. But what you're talking about, you said that if you had to pick a second one, you said Virginia Beach would be second, right? Yeah. I just feel like there was a lot of pressure at Boulder. And I think it was because it was almost like if I could compare it to something, it would be like how you like look at like uh, the Boston Marathon. It was like this like big scary thing that like if you're running it, it's like so like you watch, you know, the pros and everybody running. You're like, gosh, that looks hard. You know, I'm glad I'm not running it. And I feel like that was kind of what we were thrown into. Not only did we have oxygen deprivation which we've never dealt with and I felt like we could have our our training could have been handled better to adapt to that but it is what it is and I feel like the one thing that we did have right though is that we did get there early which obviously is helpful to adjust and whatnot but just the course was dusty and it was basically just like hills upon hills with the mountains in the background so uh, scenic but very rough and just kind of only way I can describe it is kind of just like a desert (laughs) with some mountains in the background (laughs) desert with hills well and the one thing about their course too is there's no shade on the course at all it was completely open yeah but The more I sit here and we talk about this and I reflect on it, I think that personally was my favorite trip that we took. Okay. Even though there was some interesting things that happened while we were on the trip, like just travel arrangement-wise and stuff. Was was that the one where you and Cam on the way home were clocking the... Oh my gosh, let's not even get into that one. (laughs) Well, okay, really quick. I forgot about that Super funny story. So we get on the plane to go back from Colorado and... Our teammate Cam, he has like, you know, like a stopwatch that, like a Garmin that every mile will like click and it'll give you your split. Well, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because we took off at night, if they were tired or I don't even know what. He leaves his watch on. He's like, I'm going to see how fast this plane can go with the, like how many miles. Clocking the mile. So he leaves his watch on, like has the GPS and everything. The plane goes to take off and it's like a couple seconds click couple more seconds click to, and then to put the story to kind of shorten it up the plane went so fast that it overdated cam's watch because it was going at six seconds per mile that his watch couldn't keep up with the plane in it like to give you your split if you have like a gps watch you know it stays on your watch for a couple seconds 
Cam's watch, because it was, like, staying on there, every time it would go off, it was, like, 10 miles behind. So it just kept, like, dinging, like, every five seconds. Continuously. And so we were, we finally told them that they had to stop because they were going to think, like, a bomb or something was on the plane because it just click, 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 click. So if anyone was on a plane from Boulder to Detroit (laughs) and they heard a watch dinging continuously for, like, 20 minutes... (laughs) That was us, just letting you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy... I compl- honestly... Like, I just figured they would like that story. As memorable as that story is, like, I can still sit there and think about it. I completely oh, yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. But, no, just, like, thinking back to, like, our hotel that we stayed at, which you mentioned was yeah. a jewelry inn. Yeah. And then just the location. It had a cool, like, I guess you could say outdoor mall-ish complex shopping area across the street across that we street. walked to. But it was it literally, had, like, in the middle of nowhere. It had, like, a Target and a Bass Pro Shops, or maybe it was a Cabela's, yeah. and, like, it was just super cool, and then... But again, like, the desert of nothing, the our hotel, that, and then the mountains. <laughs> yeah, and then, but then not to mention, I kind of forgot about it, too. Like, I don't remember if we did it two or three nights, maybe. Just, like, we went just and hung out in downtown Boulder. And just, like, there was, like, a little, like, walkway kind of shopping area that we We just hung out and just went from shop to shop, which was cool. And And might I add that my dad and cousin came again on that one. So they made it all And then we went and toured the University of Colorado that one day for a little bit. That was cool. And then we got lost. Was the we did get lost. Oh, we did. And then we went to the zoo. Oh, we did go to. Oh, that was in Colorado. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was fun. I definitely so, remember that. I know. Madeline and again, said, like, go. Oh, go ahead. I think you're. I know. Madeline said like, our training wasn't adequate, but you got to think like we're a small private Christian college. Like we don't. We barely had enough to even go on this trip. Right. So it's not like we're a big. D1 institution where we can go spend a month training in altitude. Yeah, and this isn't, well, and this isn't like Michigan State size where there's hundreds and hundreds of athletes where you may have like your top 20 and then there's like a couple hundred or whatever. But I feel like for us, by that point, we had at least 10 boys and girls. And that was going from the three to, you know, at least a couple handful. So we were growing, but, you know, obviously nothing in comparison to that stuff right well one thing that you have continuously done throughout your career and it's been a little different or i should say a little faster since our time in colorado but if i were to look back and look at your career not pulling up statistics because i don't need to pull them up just back from memory (laughs) The one He's thing, that good, folks. He's that good. Well, when this happens, it doesn't normally happen. <laughs> and I can guarantee you, people out there listening will tell you the exact same thing. Throughout your whole college career, and especially the last couple of years, it seemed like every single race you ran, you were running a 5 to 10 second PR of what you had run the week before or the race before or whatever it was. What do you think contributed to that, or how do you think you got to that point, or what helped you get to that point? Well, first of all, I appreciate that, but I don't know, I just kind of see it as like, I just don't understand how you're so blown away. Because it's not supposed to happen, and it makes, (laughs) when you're someone else that's pushing that hard, and you don't run your PR, I mean, like, she, I mean, granted, there was a couple times you ran 
Yeah, dual I didn't. races. Like you ran a 5K and a 10K in the same weekend or whatever. Yeah. But like for me, I'd run like two races in the same day. Shorter, obviously. I was Mind more you, mid. Track. I was more di- more Cross mid. Di- right. But I was more mid distance. You were mm-hmm. longer distance. Mm-hmm. But like you'd go out and you'd PR in your 5K every consecutive week that would go run a track meet or a cross country meet. And then there's me who's running like the 8K, which one, I didn't even know how to run until this year. Or two, I'd be running my 800 and 1500, which I basically ran from high school. And I'm trying to stay with my high school times or beat it. And for those of you that maybe have ran an 800, you know, like a second and an 800 is a lot of time. But I'm struggling to break my PR, and you're crushing your PR week on, week off. Gets a little frustrating when you continuously break your PR by five to ten seconds. And then you act like it's supposed to happen. Well, I think it has to do, like they say, like running's 80% mental and 20% physical. I I mean, I really appreciate all that. I'm not, like, trying to be cocky, but I'm just, I'm just doing what I do. Like, I don't know. I'm, it's not... I think I just found what worked and just kind of got in that groove. And I Dominic didn't mention it, but it's not like I was starting from like ground zero or something where I'm like a newbie where cutting off seconds can be pretty simple if you're new to running. You're not really figured out your full max that you can push to. So each time you're pushing a little harder, a little harder. I think... Though, in a sense, I was kind of with my training there because I, in high school, obviously, I tried really hard and everything, and I still wanted to do my best, but I feel like when I hit college, it was, my mindset shifted. Like, you're you're running with the big guys now. You have to really want it, and I think being around other people that wanted it just as bad really pushed me to not take... Uh, no for an answer while I'm running. It's going to get tough. It's going to, you know, whatever. I'm not saying that it was easy and that's why I was able to PR those times. But I think that just telling myself that, you know, you're going to run. And and I also, mind you, didn't start out each race going, okay, I'm going to PR this time and get super confident. It was, I'm going to try to hit these times and it, Sometimes my coaches would tell me my time and I would be intimidated by it and whatnot. But I think being intimidated a little bit is not so much of a bad thing. It's trying to push you to that point, which is obviously what I got pushed to. So I think a bit of training and a lot of bit of super duper wanting in and not backing down is what, and hard work is kind of what I feel like attributed to that. Okay, we'll move to our next question. Now, I've been flowing pretty smooth, but we'll jump ahead. You had a thigh injury and a stress fracture in high school. Yes. And then you've ramped up training. You're training at a, the highest level you've ever trained at. And in the last nine months, you've had two pretty, I wouldn't say severe, but pretty significant, big yeah, significant like injuries. What? What have you taken out of that injury to help you going forward? So, like Dominic said, uh, in the past nine months, I've had two stress fractures. One in my tibia and one that I'm dealing with right now is in my foot, my right foot, and the left, my left tibia was the other one. 
So obviously it's not staying in the same spot. Some doctors say that if you get a stress reaction in one spot, you can it's you have a greater chance of getting it in the same spot again because obviously the bone can be weaker and not healed properly. But in my case, I'm getting them all over the place. And so trying to get that figured out uh, might be something to do with my body not absorbing calcium and things like that. And I know you had someone else on the podcast. It was it Leah that mentioned that she was having some injuries yeah, and with her stuff thyroid like that. And and, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so we're kind of kind of like how like Leah was checking into stuff like that. I that's kind of what I'm attempting to do to figure out how to be more injury free and things like that. And I think the whole dealing with injuries started back my freshman year of high school when I did get my first injury, which was my first stress fracture. I was absolutely devastated. I just had fallen in love with running. Like I said, I started in ninth grade, so or eighth grade, so I I hadn't even been running a full year, and I'm already down with this. at At that time, it was a very severe injury. I could barely even walk, so it was absolutely devastating to me. And I felt like I kind of got it because I was a newbie and ill informed. I kind of saw it pain as you're pushing harder and you're supposed to push through the pain and like the grit and like all this stuff when in a sense that's not really the best thing for you which is why it eventually got so bad to the point that I could barely walk so um I think that first initial letdown of being injured has kind of helped me in a way like deal with the injuries that I've had in the past I think that it helped me see that you know, I'm not superwoman. I'm not, yeah, I want to go out and run, but it's not, I'm like everybody else, I things are going to happen. So I think that it's also helped me find an alternative to running in a way. And I've been able to, through the past nine months, when I was able to go to the gym, obviously, I'm not able to go to the gym now. But when I was able to go to the gym with my other stress fracture, I was able to, you know, swim and rotate with the biking, which actually made me really take thought about triathlons and things like that because I did enjoy being in the pool and doing pool workouts and I did enjoy being on the bike so it helped me kind of shift my focus and you know running is always number one it's always going to be my passion but there are other things that you can enjoy and kind of get that as quote-unquote runner's high from doing other things and obviously it's been a lot harder now with Gyms being closed and things, but that's when you scounge your grandparents' uh, basement and find out that they have a stationary bike and you steal their stationary bike. <laughs> so thank you, Grandpa, for that. So I've been able to get on the stationary bike for that because I find that it's more efficient for me to get a workout in on there rather than trying to deal with main roads and things down essentially where I live, which is not as big open wide spaces up here in <laughs> because you've been affected by it okay. what were your feelings emotions towards your final outdoor track season being canceled due to the virus so kind of like with my running mantra that I was kind of saying how I just give it my all absolutely every race and that's just how I'm wired and that's how I do things I think that for once that actually came around to be a not so much just for me but just an amazing thing in general because I had indoor season and then so obviously I was injured in the fall came back had indoor season 
and I just gave it my, like, I felt like I was so hyper-focused in on that indoor season just because there's so little races, and I just knew that this was going to be, like, my last season, and so I really, really, really just tried to really hone in and do everything I possibly could to have the best season. So I think that eventually helped when I found out that, obviously, there wouldn't be a track season, which I initially had thought was working out good because my freshman year I didn't have an indoor and outdoor season so I was like I'll be able to do my fifth year and like wow like things all worked out really great and thought it was this great thing but I think in a sense it still did because I still had indoor and I still met and was able to spend time with people that I would not have met if I would not have had that time there my fifth year. Obviously I was upset but not initially I've always had this idea that I'm always going to run. So I think it's kind of like the high school senior type thing. Like they're super upset that they have their last race. And, you know, it's all emotional at the finish line and this whole thing. But I don't really get like that because I have my mindset on the future and where I'm going to be. And I'm kind of, and that's and that's where I want to be. So instead of being that person crying at the finish line, I'm going to be the person that's set my sights on the next spot instead of being upset. Like, I don't want to spend this... If I'm going to be upset on something, then that means that obviously I care about it, which means I obviously should continue to do something about it. And that's kind of how I took uh, this uh, virus and my season being canceled. I think it really started to... Really, at first I was just kind of like, it's okay, like, I'm just going to keep running and set my sights on, you know, find a race, blah, blah, blah. And obviously when the season was canceled, it was kind of more towards the beginning of all of this. Obviously, everything had been shut down for so long and everything. So it was kind of just, um, I just thought, you know, we'll keep keep pushing on moving forward. And then obviously everything started to close down. So that made things seem a little bit more difficult. And then obviously I got injured. But it more or less hit really hard home when my teammates started talking to me. And I realized, you know... This is an individualized sport to an extent, but obviously you're still running and working as a team and things like that. And then I realized that there's people that I won't be able to run races with again and that kind of made things more of a reality. And and again, back to what I was saying though, I'm not going to settle with being upset for that because I'm going to make time and still hang out with them because I can and that's something that I enjoy. All right, so once you're over this injury period and you're back mm-hmm. to running, what does the future have in store as far as you're concerned for Madeline? I feel like really honing in on nutrition and things like that, I feel like that plays a big part. I feel like I, at times, still think I'm inv- invincible and just can run and go, 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 and I don't need to do this, and I don't need to pay attention to that. Like, I'm fine, I'm fine, and just hit the ground running and go and do what I want to do and not pay attention to certain things when that's obviously not the case. And it's the, especially when you rack up those high miles, it's the super small things that count. And I'm one of those people that I want to know right away that what I'm doing is working. (laughs) So, you know, that foam rolling and all those and eating those extra things right after running and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to necessarily see it right away. Farther, 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 farther possibly in the future. Uh, Triathlon, now that I've dabbled with the swimming and biking, I think that that's something that honestly I've never really thought of it this way, but is this time, especially with everybody doing virtual things, I've thought about just doing like my own triathlon and just 
give it a whirl and if it takes me 20 hours to complete like oh well like I just tried it on my own I'm not really you know wasting any money or anything here if it doesn't turn out right just kind of give it kind of a, a test triathlon see how that goes but keep pushing my mileage farther and farther things like that the farthest I've gone is about a half marathon uh, maybe like 13 and a half maybe but I want to just keep pushing my mileage further and further, which I know for some listeners that's like 13 miles, that's nothing. Or to some listeners maybe like, wow, 13 miles, that's like so much. So, but for me, I'm, I just want to keep pushing it. So see how far and how long I can go. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts or final suggestions, I guess, for anybody listening out there? Um, I think, well, first and foremost, thank you for listening. I really appreciate that I don't think I'm really anything special to be listening to but I hope maybe there is a little something that uh, brought to light something for you or provoked your thoughts in some way so and if I did uh, appreciate that glad I could be of service for everybody else thanks for listening appreciate it keep running hard be patient especially during this time there's even more crazy things going on right now, not just the virus. So I think it's important that we all just keep sticking together and going for our runs, being in our own minds and stretching, stretching our minds too. So there you go. Okay. That's about it. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, once again, we want to thank Madeline Salem for joining the podcast. She's been kind of putting the ideas in my head for a while now. And I thought, well, why not get her on? And as I thought about it more, I thought she could really kind of provide some input into people that maybe have had injuries or are struggling with an injury right now that can benefit from hearing someone else talk about it as well. I like these positivity stories that I keep hearing, and I found another one this week. I actually saw it on NBC Sports Network while I was watching some motorsports racing. And they had a little news desk update, and I saw this story, and I'm like, man, I have to feature this one. This happened on Saturday. It would have been May 30th. saw this on Saturday. John Gregorick Jr. ran a mile in 4 minutes and 6.25 seconds, which, according to NBC Sports, is believed to be the fastest mile ever run by someone wearing blue jeans by over five seconds. Gregorick posted the attempt and record-breaking mile on his Instagram. He said he ran the mile in memory of his younger brother Patrick, who passed away suddenly in March of 2019. And he did this to raise awareness of mental illness, as he mentioned that his brother suffered from mental illness and ultimately lost the battle. But he was trying to do it to remember him. And very cool, but sad and tragic, but very cool story that came out of it. And four minutes and six seconds is cruising, let alone trying to do it in blue jeans is very impressive. Gregorick is trying to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics. The games have been suspended, as we've mentioned on the podcast, for 2020 and will be moved to 2021. Beyond his blue jean record, he is ranked as the number one indoor mile runner in the United States last year, running a 3 minute 
in 52nd mile. He can cruise. All right, we're going to move on to our golden rules of running. We're on to rule number 10. It's crazy how fast things are flying by. We're already on podcast number 15, rule number 10. This is the 20-mile rule. And the rule states, build up to run at least one 20-miler before a marathon. Now, I've never run a marathon Potentially, I see myself doing one in the future. We'll see if I get there. But this is for those of you that are interested in running marathons or have run marathons before. The rule says long runs stimulate the marathon, which requires lots of time on your feet. And knowing that you can run 20 miles help you wrap your head around running 26.2. I've heard that. Totally trust that. Totally believe that. 100% in. Never done it. But definitely should get a long run in like a 20 miler to make sure that you to mentally help prepare yourself to run 26.2. The exception, some coaches believe that experienced marathon runners can get by with a longest run of 16 to 18 miles, while other coaches suggest runs up to 24 miles. Those are experienced marathoners. If you're a first-time runner like I would be, definitely at least run one 20-mile long run. I think a couple would probably help you. The I think it also all depends on your training and what you feel comfortable with. After you've run a couple, I'd probably say you could see if 16 to 18 feels good or if you want to run up to 24, that's personally on you. But I would definitely run a couple marathons before you'd make that call. Alright, we've done the mile. We've done the two mile. No sense in doing a three mile because 3.1 is a 5K. So the month of June is going to be the 5K training tips. I found a couple interesting ones here. First one, and I know it may sound repetitive, but this is going to go with every race that you run is you need to get miles in. You need to get some base under you. You need to get some miles running on out on the roads so that way you can make it through the race. The suggestion that I saw is at least three to five miles per day when you run is your base. You want to be able to run through that 3.1 distance. I think that's a good suggestion. Five miles lets you get a little more stamina in, lets you maintain your posture and your form and lets you power through that 3.1 distance. One thing that I thought was very interesting and I thought this is a very good tip, a lot of these times I look up stuff just to kind of base my banter but this time I'm actually going to look at this training tip and it talked about how yes logging miles is good and it's going to help you prepare but there's other things that really help you do that and working on form, I know we've talked about it before, but this is a couple ways to help you improve your form. There's a couple stretches that you can do that help, and I know we did this every time before a workout, is high skip, so working on driving that knee up. You don't have to leave the ground, but just working on powering your knee up, keeping your toe up, keeping that knee and toe in line, just driving your knee up, moving those arms, making sure it comes off the ground and just 
powering up. Some people like to do A skips. Those are good. Some people like to actually jump. Some people just like to raise your knee off the ground. All three of those are fine. Just work on driving that knee up. And it says right here, exaggerating the drive of the knee to the chest will help find a more efficient pulling position in your stride. The explosiveness of this movement will make your distance running more economical around miles two and three. And that's when you're going to start to tire a little bit. You're going to feel worn out. If you work on that, you can help pull yourself through. They talk about doing that two to three times for 10 to 30 meters Heading out before you run, always a good idea. Now this other one, always growing up, we called it karaoke. You may be familiar with another name, but it's basically high stepping over your knee. So you're running sideways, and you're pulling one knee up, going over to the other one, and dropping it down, and then pulling your foot in behind. So you're kind of running sideways and high stepping at the same time. If you're not familiar with it, you can look it up. But this helps opens your hips for a more powerful arm swing as well as quicker footwork and improved cadence control which quicker cadence allows you to run faster and it says to do the same thing run it do it two to three times for 10 to 30 meters before run to two runs a week both of these are good exercises i think there's others other ones that you can add in as well these two training tips or three training tips were based off of the runexperience.com and it's our three most surprising 5k training tips I don't think the distance one is really surprising but working on karaoke and knee drive definitely can help not only improve you in 5k can improve your mile, 2 mile, 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon anything, it just helps your posture, helps your form helps your knee drive and helps your body carry through those distances so no matter what distance you're doing, the karaoke and knee drive exercises are great ones to add in. Alright, before we wrap it up, once again, just want to hit the social media, Instagram, Believe in the Long Run, Twitter, we're at the Long Run 5. Be sure to like, share, and comment. Really want to emphasize sharing and comment. Be sure to comment anything that you want to hear about or anything you want to know about helps us prepare for upcoming episodes we'll make sure to get any of those in still looking for our first comment on any of our posts if you want to listen to any previous episodes or hear this episode on repeat you can visit us out you can check us out on spotify google play apple itunes stitcher and of course believe.com it's going to wrap up our 15th episode. Thank you for listening. I'm headed out to go do a workout. So I will see you guys next week. Get out there, get some distance in, and most importantly, stay safe, everyone, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.